11, and the title to our, our series over the next several weeks is going to be Not So Social. Not So Social. Now, I thought about it. I don't want us to be antisocial. Uh, you know, there, there, you can be social, antisocial. Those are extremes, right? And maybe just somewhere in the middle is a good thing when it comes to this stuff. Um, and uh, so we're going to title this Not So Social. Really, what we're looking at is a Bible believer's approach to social media. And I want you to understand that there's been a lot of prayer, a lot of thought, uh, uh, several weeks of just kind of being bombarded over and over and over with uh, issues related to this subject. Uh, and so I hope this is a help to you as we jump into this. Look at First Corinthians chapter 7. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. First Corinthians 7, uh, First Corinthians chapter 7 in one hand and First Corinthians chapter 10 in the other uh, some of you are going to go, well, where does it say, thou shalt not have so well, First off, that's not even the, uh, if you think that's where we're going, um, you're you, you already all on the wrong uh, position. The, the, the goal here tonight is not to tell you, get rid of your phones, get rid of social, burn it all, uh, but rather to have the right approach, to understand what you're dealing with. You cannot have the right approach to something if you do not know what it actually is. And there is so much in the world today that's kind of like, you ever walked into the, well, like at a carnival, uh, the mirrors that are funny shaped and all that, and everything looks distorted? Uh, that's kind of the world in which we live in, where uh, that which is evil is good, and that which is good is evil, and you can't really tell uh, one thing from another. And so what the Bible does is it gives us clarity on the issues of life. And so, no, the Bible does not have, there's not a verse that says anything about Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or anything like that. All right, uh, but, but, but we're going to see some principles that are found in the Word of God that will help you manage this stuff the right way. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Uh, let me just ask a little, little poll here tonight. Uh, who, and this is not to get anyone in trouble. All right, I'm going to raise my hand with you. Who here has some kind of social media account somewhere in their life? All right, all right. That's a pretty much most of everybody, all right? Uh, now, let me ask you another one. No, here's one. Which of you, what kind of, uh, which of you are the ones that have social media accounts that never post, but you creep on people? Oh, don't want to raise your hand. Oh, I saw a couple hands. All right, good, good, good. Amen. I'm just, I just appreciate the honesty in the house of God tonight. That's good. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, because you know those people exist, right? You like, you look up someone like, oh, they're, oh yeah, let's connect. And you connect, they never post. But then like a week later, they text you like, oh, I saw about your kitten. Like, what are you talking about? Right? First Corinthians chapter 7, look if you would there. First Corinthians chapter 7, look at verse number uh, 29. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. Uh, you know how much time we have? Probably less than you think we do. How about that? The time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. Okay, all right, there we go. We're done tonight. Amen. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Now, now look, you may go, I thought we were talking about social, not marriage, but just, just bear with me. Uh, there's a lot in this chapter that has to do with how to deal with real practical things in life. All right? Dealing with life under the sun, if you will, and being in the world that we are in. Uh, look at verse number 30. And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. Now, let me ask you a question. Uh, has anyone bought food this week? Anyone? All right. You did not sin when you bought food. You understand that? Uh, there's nothing wrong with buying food. Now, buying that 10th slice of pizza at Costco, maybe not a good idea, right? But, but you understand what I'm saying? Uh, Paul is not saying that these things in and of themselves are sinful. What he is saying is this. Uh, you need to recognize where you're at in God's timeline. 
All right. Uh, not get so wrapped up in it that it becomes your world. Look at uh, verse 31. And they that use this world, that's what you're supposed to do down here as a Christian. Now, now, uh, if you're not a born-again child of God, some of the things I'm going to say are, uh, just to be clear, are very much so directed at born-again believers. If you're not yet saved, none of the stuff I'm talking about with social media really matters in your life as much as the matter of salvation. You must be born again. That is the most critical issue in your life right now. Having said that, can you learn some practical things about social media from the lesson? Yes. But I, I want to disclose at the onset of this that if you're not saved, I don't want you walking out here going, man, social media, maybe I shouldn't do that much. The real thing you need to walk away with is I need Jesus Christ. All right. Now, now look at verse 31. And they that use this world as not, as not what? Abusing it. For the fashion of this world passeth. Away. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. The fashion of this world passes away. So in other words, uh, it's okay to use things in this life. It's not okay to get so wrapped up in them that you abuse the things that you could have used for good and go too far with them in the wrong direction. Is that making any sense? Yeah. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look, if you would, at verse number 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 23. All things are lawful for me. You know what that means? I can do this. I, once you're saved, there's nothing that you can do that's going to make you lose your salvation. All right? However, look what it says. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. It means it's not necessarily the right thing. Yes, I could do it, but just because I can doesn't mean that I should. Now, look what it says. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Yeah, I, I could do it, but it's not going to help another believer grow in their faith. Look not, uh, let no man seek his own. Verse 24, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the shambles, that eat, asking no question for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, look down if you would not. And if you don't know what's going on in chapter 10, Paul is addressing the issue of his day. You know what the issue of his day was? Uh, the, the, the Gentiles, that means the people that were not of the nation of Israel, they are coming into the church. They're, they're getting saved, and they're coming into the church, and they're bringing some of their heathen practices in. And so Paul's trying to go, okay, here's how we deal with these things. In other words, let me deal with the issues that, you're, that, you're, that, you're, that are being addressed in your life in the world in which you live, the world that you're coming from, the generation in which you live. In other words, let's not bury our heads in the sand. Let's realize this is there, and let's look at this from a scriptural standpoint. Uh, clearly, eating meat is not of the devil. I know some vegans would like you to think that, uh, but in the scriptures, there's uh, all kinds of commandments that say that we're supposed to do that, and there's nothing wrong with it. So, so what Paul's talking about is this. If someone buys a piece of meat that's offered to an idol, how do you address that in your life? Uh, look, if you would, at verse number uh, 29 conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. In other words, you should live a life as a Christian, not just centered on you, but how it affects other people. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of? For that which I give thanks, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So, so we're going to jump into the, uh, into the study from this point, and I pray that the Word of God ministers to you and maybe enlightens us a little bit on how 
to deal with the things that are around us in the world in which we live. Brother Tim, if you'd open us up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me, let me just say this at the onset of this. Our church has a YouTube account, okay? I'm going to talk about YouTube and some issues with YouTube. Our church has a YouTube account. Our church has an Instagram account, all right? Uh, we're going to we're probably talk about Instagram a little bit. Our church has a Facebook account, all right? We're going to talk about Facebook a little bit as we go through this. I'm, we're not here tonight to say that these things are intrinsically evil. You must burn them, get rid of them. However, there are three approaches I have found to this entire subject, and really to a lot of subjects where people vary on ideologies. Uh, here's one. It's the devil, therefore you better get rid of it. All right? Now, now, that's where, now listen, I want to tell you why I'm going I'm to kind of warn you not to just jump into that position right away. Here's why. Fifty years ago, preachers were saying don't have TVs. Now preachers have TVs. Right? So, so you go, well, that doesn't mean it's right. I'm not saying that it is. What I'm saying is this. They were saying it's the devil, and if you bring your house, everything's going to go to you know where, and so you can't do it. All right, well, the problem with that is this, is you have the liberty to do it. The Bible says you, you can. The question is whether you should or shouldn't. And, and what we're going to find out is that there are some things that some people can handle that others can't. And let me also say this, there are some things in your life that you think you can handle that you can't. Now, now the, 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 you, you jump in and go, it's the devil, get rid of it. Uh, okay, then, then let me just say this much. Then you have to say this. There's no good that can come out of it, because if there was, then the devil can't get glory. Are you with me? Are there some people that can find a church online? Can they find a church by going to Google? Can they find a church by going to YouTube? Yes, they absolutely can. Uh, can people find out information about your church through Facebook? Yes, they can. Can they learn about just what your church is about by looking things up? Yes, they can. Does that mean that in and of itself, the, the, it was Facebook that did it, therefore it is the devil we have to burn? No. At the same time, can I say this? Here's another extreme. It doesn't matter. It's all good. Just do whatever you want. There's no limits. One extreme says it's all evil. One extreme says there's nothing evil. How about a little bit of balance? How about being able to look at things objectively and go, okay, according to the scriptures, according, now I know for some, here's what I know in a church, as, even though we're not that big, in a church this size, there are some that go, it's the devil. There are some that go, it doesn't matter. And you know what the problem is? The problem is you have made those decisions arbitrarily based off of your own experiences and prejudices without examining it by the word of God. And when you stand back and go, okay, can someone get saved through this? Can someone get ministered through this? Can someone learn the word of God by listening to some messages? Yes, but it has to be done in balance. It cannot be without moderation. All right. Uh, there, there's there's uh, the, the, the example or the, the position of it, social media and, and, and technology itself is the devil. I remember when, man, if you had an overhead projector in your church, that was the devil. I'm serious. I'm serious. It, it, it's almost like if it's new, we automatically say it's bad. Can I say it like this? I said this before when it comes to music. Just because it's new doesn't mean it's bad. And just because it's new doesn't mean you ought to chase it. 
All right, so, so let's just have a little bit of balance. Here are some statistics, though, that I think kind of points to the fact that if we don't address the elephant in the room, we do ourselves a disservice as the people of God. Here's a, a statistic, right? Now, keep in mind, there's 8 billion people on the planet. 8 billion people on the planet. Out of 8 billion people, 4.6 billion are social media users. Among U.S. adults, all right, and F- Facebook's the most popular social media platform. I-, I know that if you're like Ariana Lovato's age, you're like, what's Facebook? That sounds old. That's for old people. Am I, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, so if I mention Snapchat, you know, I mentioned, you know, Be Real, uh, the younger folks are kind of like, yeah. Older folks are like, what's that, right? We talk about Instagram, and some of the older folks, oh, yeah, I know what that is. And then some young person goes, Instagram story, and you go, what is that? Right, And so there's all these, depending on where you're at in age, there's kind of a different outlook on this stuff as well. All right? But, but uh, the latest social media statistics uh, show that an average of 2 hours and 25 minutes a day, a day, are spent per person on social media. That's a lot. Uh, 75% of internet users use social media to research products. In other words... They look up things online before they, I know people that will Google a church and go, how many stars do they have? Well, what if the church was a great church, but some jack wagon made it their mission in life to give them bad stars and made five different Google accounts. To get, anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Crazy people like that, all right? Uh, 49% of consumers claim they depend on influencer recommendations. You guys know what an influencer is? It's some person that jumps around and does stuff with dancing and music and shows you products, you know, and, and they tell you how great this paint is or how great the blow dryer is or whatever else it may be, all right? Uh, and, and of course, there's, there's all kinds of other things that, are in, that you would go, well, I don't know if that matters to me. Uh, how about this one? Uh, 10 billion hours every day across the globe. Now, you may go, what's, what's the big deal biblically? Well, uh, you know, 100 years ago, when people would read the book of Revelation, they would go, how in the, they would mock the Bible saying, there's no way all right, I'll go 130 years ago, maybe. There's no way that everyone across the globe, the majority of the world, can look at one person at the same time. How is that going to happen? Well, we got the vehicle for it now. All right? Uh, and, and so, and li- listen, I'm going to tell you right now, there are people, true story, people in Papua New Guinea that don't have televisions, but they have a smartphone. I mean, literally, not to be funny, in the jungles of Papua New Guinea that have cell phones, they have WhatsApp, they have Facebook, they have Instagram, they got everything you got over here. They don't have a TV in their house. They may not even have running water, but they've got a smartphone. Six point something billion, I think it's uh, almost seven, six point six four eight billion smartphone users around the world. That means 83% of the world's population is connected with smartphones. That's a lot. On average, Gen Z and millennials have 8.5. How do you have half of a social media account? I'm not sure about that. 8.5 social media accounts per user. Uh, you say, well, what, is, what, is that, what does that matter to my life? Well, I'm just trying to show you that this is not going away. This is going to be around for a while. So you better as a Christian figure out how to deal with this stuff the right way. And if you think, you think well, I've got it nailed down. Okay, what about your kids? What about the generation after us? And let me just say this. Usually what happens is this. Whatever we do in moderation, the next generation does in excess. So we have to be mindful, not just for ourselves, but but the kids that are watching us. Listen, if your kids feel like 
all the time that they're around you, you are glued to a device. And then when they get older, you tell them, why don't you read a book? They're going to look at you and go, I learned this from you. In total, 80% said social media gives them some level of connection to what's going on in their friends' lives. 71% said it's a place where they can show their creativity. 67% said so that used to be things that people did with art and they did with music. They did with, and now it's, it's all through like the virtual world, right? 67% said social media reassures them, listen to this, that they have people to support them to, through tough times. 67% of young people said that this gives them the, the reassurance that there are people there to support them. But it's a virtual world. All someone has to do to support you is hit a button. They haven't necessarily done anything to make your life better. They have not necessarily prayed for you. They have not necessarily invested in you. They hit a button, and by hitting that button, that gave you a a rush, and that made you feel that you were important. And and what I'm getting at is this, is that we have to realize that the reason why people are going to this stuff, and the reason why it's so uh, 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 very much so accepted in culture or society, and why people gravitate towards it, is because social media is filling a need. There's a human need at the basis of all this. And I'm going to show you this from the scriptures. But I, I want to first off say, we're going to look at this socially. I'm going to use a word that some, some of you go, oh, I don't know about this, scientifically and spiritually. You go, oh. Some of you like Esqueleto from Nacho Libre. I know Brother Eric's know what I'm talking about. I don't believe in God. I believe in science. You know, that, that kind of outlook. Now, now, let me just say this much. Uh, in the Bible, go if you would to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. Uh, when we talk about science, I'm not talking about something that, that, that contradicts the word of God. Please understand that. Look at Daniel chapter number one. Daniel chapter number one. Can I ask you a question? Do you think God cares about what you do with your time? You think God cares about what you look at? You think God cares about what you listen to? You think God cares about the things that move you emotionally? I think he does. I, I've watched Christians, and I'm not saying this is necessarily bad. But I've watched Christians uh, at, at watching a football game jump up and split their pants because the, you know, the bad team, you know, the opposite team uh, won at the last minute. I, I've watched some Christians that will sit in a movie and, you know, and it gets to the end and finally he kisses her and sweeps her off the feet. <laughs> you know, and this is like, did you, you knew it was going to end that way. Why are you even crying? Right? And, 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 then, and then they come to church and they get in their Bible and there's no emotion. You say, why? You have poured everything out already into virtual things. Things that are not even necessarily real that did move your emotions. You see, God made us to be emotional creatures. God made us to want interaction, to want social interaction with others. And, and if you're not careful, what you do is you replace God's design with something that's artificial. Uh, Look, if you would, at Daniel chapter number one, Daniel chapter number one, look at verse four, children in whom was no blemish, talking about the children of Israel, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding. What's the next word? Do you realize the context of that was these were the people of Israel in contrast to the heathen? So in other words, what what you want you to understand is when we talk about science, I'm not talking about something that goes against the word of God. I'm talking about something that fits with the word of God. Now, if you want another example of what I'm saying, look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And you have to understand that there is, just like there are two kinds of wisdom in the world today, there are two kinds of science. Uh, the word science simply means knowledge, uh, which is why when we talk about a conscience, all right, you say, what is that? It is, all right, conciencia in Spanish, or this is all Latin stuff is what it is. 
It is with knowledge. All right? So, so we talk about someone's conscience being seared. It's the fact they had knowledge of something and they ignored the knowledge that was within them to tell them that what they were doing was wrong. All right? So when we talk about science, it is a matter of knowledge. Let me ask you a question. Where does all true knowledge come from? So, so that which is true science is biblical. All right, so we talk about things that deal with your behavior and things that deal with your, 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 say, your mental capacity. Those are things that are oftentimes mislabeled by the world that are actually spiritual in nature. And, and so we're going to talk about some of those things. Uh, but, but understand this, there's also science falsely so-called. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, look if you would at verse number 20. We want to make a delineation between the two. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 20. O Timothy... Keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of what? Falsely so-called. So so look, just because something is called science doesn't mean that it is. And just because something is called science doesn't mean that it's bad. Are are we on the same page now? So we we will talk about some things that that are scientific in nature in regards to behavior. But they are also biblical in nature and we'll back it up with scripture. All right, they're just like there's two kinds of, 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 of wisdom. There's two kinds of science as well. I'll say it like this. You cannot take beings that are made by God for social. We are made to have social interaction and, and take them from having that in the workplace and having that with family around a dinner table and having that at a church. You, you, cannot, you cannot replace that with avatars and, so, and virtual interaction and not have impact on society. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I'm not picking on these because I think these, our young people are great. I love them. I love talking with them. But you know how many times I, will, I talk? It's so funny. My kids are homeschooled. You can make all the jokes you want to, but you know what my kids can do? They can shake an adult's hand and look at them in the eye. And you know what's funny? I talk to kids that are 17, 18 years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't know how to interact. You know why part of that is? Because all you've been doing is this. All right? Let me, let me, I'm going to teach you something, okay? Watch this. All right? This does not spell babe. You're missing a letter. Amen. amen. I thought they'd give you a little more amens than that. Come on now. All right. You're, you, you say, what? Well, we're, we're kind of kind of going in the wrong direction as far as interaction goes. All right. Let me ask you a question. Uh, have you not noticed that people's attention span are, is shorter? Yeah. You want to know why that is? Because you're constantly looking at Images with sound, images with sound, images with sound. And you know, some cute little girl, that, you know, and the letters and words are popping up. <laughs> you know, and doing this kind of thing. And then you come to church like, he's just talking from a book. Well, that's, that's, part, of the, that's part of the problem. All right, uh, he, he, here's another question. Why is it that you cannot have civil discourse in our nation anymore? You, you literally can't sit down with someone. I, I've watched from the 1960s. You can still find these on YouTube, by the way. People debating points of view where they don't cuss, they don't yell, they just literally sit across each other and go, well, this is why I believe what I believe, and he's got five minutes. And the other person goes, okay, well, I appreciate what my distinguished colleague had to say, but he's irrefutably wrong. And let me tell you why in five points. And they do that, and then the next guy goes, you can't do that anymore. You know why? Because you just go from one, one accusation and one slur about the person. You say, why? Because we live in sound bits. We live in these little bites of sound where I've got to say something sensational to get everybody go, yeah! It's a mob mentality. And I want you to understand that the Lord is not part of the mob. As a matter of fact, there's only one person that wants to get the entire world together to get them to submit to him by force, and it's not God. 
So you have to sit back and go, okay, why are we where we're at today in society? Part of it, I'm not saying all of it. Don't walk out of here and go, Pastor said all the evils in society are due. I think, I think this, I really believe this. You know why a lot of young people want social media so bad? Because they don't have a family life that's worth shooting. There's no dinner table. There's no, how was your day? Let's pray together. Even Christian homes. Everyone gets home and they all pull out their devices and go to their rooms. That's not a family. That's a, that's a group of people that are they're boarding and rooming together. So when we look at the word of God, and it has the solutions for us. But understand this, nature abhors a vacuum. And when some need is not being met the right way, it's going to be met the wrong way. And I believe some of what's going on with this is it has to do with that very thing, is that man is intrinsically made by God to have interaction with other people. And if it's not done the right way, there's going to be a void that's there. All right, now look if you would at John chapter 7, John 7, and remember this, uh, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. All right, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And you better say thank God to that, because if your ways were God's ways, we'd probably all be dead. Aren't you glad for a patient and long-suffering and merciful God? For all this, his, his anger is, 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 uh, is not abated, yet his hand is stretched out still. Thank God for that. He continues to stretch out his hand. But, but let's, think, let's understand this much. The way that we look at things down here is not how he looks at them. All right? Uh, the way that we perceive things, that's why it's so important. How many of you guys have heard the, the verse? I'm sure you have. Judge not, lest you be not judged. Raise your hand if you've heard it. All right? If you go out and try to witness to someone, who are you ju- to judge me? You know? Why are you condemning me? And I would just say, I'm not condemning you. You're already condemned. I'm trying to get you out of that condemnation. But, but the, the Bible says, look at John 7. Look at verse 24. We have to do this, just like we do uh, when it comes to maybe someone that's different than you. Look, if you grew up uh, in, a, in, a, in a rough area, you might look at rich people and go, what a bunch of jerks. They think they own everything. And they got the nice car. Okay, and then if you grew up in the opposite, you look at someone from the other end, and you go, well, you know, they, they start walking close to your car, you start grabbing stuff. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? All right, judge not according to the appearance. Look at John 7, verse 24. One of the challenges in the Christian life, if you ever want to be a soul winner, you want to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, the message that this world so desperately needs, you have to learn to not look at people just, as just the shell. You have to get beyond that. Look at John 7, verse 24. Judge not according to the appearance, but judge. The Lord did not say, don't judge at all. That's not what he says. He says, judge not according. In other words, don't make your judgment so shallow. For example, if you've got Facebook, you're satanic. That's a shallow judgment. Here's another one. Here, all right, If you're not online, then you're never going to know anything about my life because I don't care to ever tell you anything in person. It's the weirdest thing. People come to church and they go, well, did you see this online? No, didn't see it. All right, well, check it out some other time. You're talking to them right there. Can you just tell them what happened? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like Both of those are just kind of weird extremes. Uh, look, look, understand this much. When the Lord looked down on Nineveh, the city that he called Jonah to go to, you know what he said about him? He said, shouldn't I have mercy on, on people that cannot discern between their left hand and their right hand? In other words, they couldn't tell what was up from down. You know why you ought to be different as a Christian? Because you have, you have the Spirit of God inside of you, and you have these words in this book that are spiritual in nature to give you something called discernment. The Bible says in John 16, you don't have to turn there, but when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you and lead and guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. 
All right, in other words, God, the, the, one of the reasons God gives you the Spirit of God is so that you can have a discerning spirit within yourself to go, this is right, this is wrong. Regardless of what all the voices out there say, or what even other, some other uh, Christian might think, what does God say about this, and what is the right approach? Uh, you may remember the story of uh, Jacob and Esau, and, and uh, Jacob stealing the blessing from his brother, remember that? And, and when he steals the blessing from his brother, what does he do? He puts on goat skins. And he goes to the dad, to Isaac, and, and Isaac basically says, you know what? And he feels and he goes, is it really my son Esau? And Jacob's like, yeah, dad, it is. And you know, Esau was more like, yeah, dad, it is. He, he knew that that was Jacob's voice. And yet he goes, let me feel you. So he feels him. And when he feels him, he goes, well, it's Jacob's voice, but it's Esau's arms. He should have known better. Yeah. You know what he did? He went by his feelings. I just feel, I just feel, okay, well, let's just, maybe, maybe let's all stand back and let's go, is it possible our feelings are wrong? And, and so you, you know what it says about that in Genesis, it's sitting in Genesis 27, it says that he discerned him not. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He discerned him not. You know what that means? He could not tell who he was. And you cannot tell what something is, whether it's right, right, whether it's wrong, how to deal with it the right way, unless you approach it from the standpoint of what does God say. And you may go, listen, I've learned this a long time ago. When a Christian says, oh, God doesn't say anything about that, I've learned that's someone that has either not taken the time to read or study their Bible, or they purposely don't want to know what God says about that. Because God is not silent on the issues that affect our lives. All right, look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 14. Talking about the natural man, a lost person. Uh, we don't, and I know I mentioned this before when it came to our study on the Word of God. People will go, the Bible is too hard to read. It's too hard to understand. Therefore, we need to change it. Maybe not. Maybe part of the problem is if you're not saved, you're not going to get the Bible, no matter what try, the kind of words you try to put it in. Because the reality is these are spiritual words. First Corinthians 2.14, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually What? The things of God are the words of God, inspired by the Spirit of God. And so he says this, you're not going to discern them properly without the author of the book inside of you. And we talked about that before. The idea is this, you cannot divorce discernment from the Word of God. And you cannot divorce discernment from the Spirit of God, because the Spirit of God is, is the one that inspired these words to be put in there. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Let me say this, man is made for social interaction. You're made for it. Now, you might be an introvert. You may go, I don't like people, you know, and I might be better off just kind of in my corner. And Yeah, but even introverts get married. Am I right? Yeah, it's, it's great when, like, two introverts get married together. Man, it's awesome. You know, they just text each other for the rest of their lives. They don't have to talk. You don't have to look at each other, you know. Uh, Genesis chapter number 2, Genesis chapter 2, God made you to interact with others. Uh, I'll say this, it's a dangerous thing when you're all by yourself all the time. God didn't make you to live that way. Uh, God made you to crave and to want interaction from other people. Now, now, I'll say this much, I'm not saying that every way that someone gets that craving fulfilled is right, but God gave you that. God made you to have that inside of you, to want to connect first and foremost with Him as your Creator, and after that with the rest of creation. Uh, look at Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter 2. And look, if you would, at verse number 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help 
meat for him. Then he goes on to talk about how Adam named all the animals and, you know, all that stuff. But look at verse 20 at the end of the verse. But for Adam, there was not found in help meat for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken for man made he a woman and brought her of the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my, of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And, and he goes on talking about the marriage relationship and the bond uh, that takes place when a man leaves his, his father and mother's house and cleaves into his wife. The idea is this. God saw that man was alone. And what did God say? It is not good. The man should be, you go, well, that's about marriage. Yeah, but you find this theme all throughout the Bible. When people are isolated, oftentimes what follows is depression. Don't misunderstand me. There's a place and time to be alone. You need quiet time and alone time with God. You do. But if you are the kind of person who goes, I don't need anybody. I don't need the church. I don't need this. I don't, you know what the problem is? The problem is you are not looking at this from the biblical standpoint. You need other people in your life. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Is God bringing people from various backgrounds going, you got this gift and you got this gift, but I'm going to put it all together and temper it within the body. God made you to need that. The question is, is how are you fulfilling that need? And just because you're getting that need fulfilled doesn't mean it's necessarily God's way. Now, let me ask this question. How did God fulfill that need in Adam's? Uh, how did Adam get that need fulfilled? He allowed God to do it. So you need to learn to do it in your life. Is go, okay, I'm made to be social. Uh, God, God put that within me. How am I going to allow God to fill that need in my life? Because I don't want to artificially fill it. Look, look, you can give kids, uh, 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 you know, Doritos for breakfast. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to keep them full for the rest of the day. You know why? It's artificial food. You give them oatmeal, eggs, and ba- they might, listen, you give a, a kid a choice. Do you want Dorito burritos for breakfast, or do you want oatmeal and eggs and bacon? Oh, give me the Dorito burrito. Doesn't mean that's the best route, Okay. And so the idea is this, okay, we got a need, how are we going to fill it? Can you listen to a good message online? Yes. Yes, you can. But can I say listening to YouTube and watching YouTube is not the same as coming and being part of a church? And, 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 so, and so God designs things that are good for you, and you know what they are? They're real. And you know what the devil tends to do? He tends to try to imitate what God does and bring something that's artificial. All right, there's the Lord's Christ, and then there's the false Christ, the Antichrist, right? There's, there's the beauty of the physical relationship between a man and a woman that God gifted us with, and then there's the sexual revolution in the 1960s that says you can do whatever you want, no consequences, it doesn't matter. He said, what is this? This is a perversion of what God intended. And so what happens in all of society, what you see all around us in, any, in, in a lot of different areas, and social is one of them where you've got this need for fulfillment from other people. God says, you know what? If you're a child of God, I will fulfill that within your family. I'll fulfill that if you don't have a family within your church. And you know what? God's going to fill that need for social interaction. But you know what? A lot of us do. Well, I just need the likes. I need the likes. I need the likes. I'm going to scroll. And you know what happens? You get that dopamine going, and you feel good, and you feel important. And I had this many likes, and this many followers, and this many people, and I'm really influencing. And you know what I'm telling you right now? That's not necessarily the way I look at life. Ishmael was born because Sarah decided to take matters into her own hands. There was a need that was going to be met through the Lord, but Sarah got ahead of God. 
I'm not telling you that if you have Facebook, you have to get rid of it. What I am saying is this. I need you to question yourself. Why, why am I attracted to this? Why do I keep looking at my phone? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And I didn't read the statistic, but I've read uh, recently that, that in, a, in a typical day, some people are looking at their phone literally hundreds of times throughout the day. What, what for? What's changed so much in the last five seconds that you have to look again? But there's this need to go. I need to go. And you know what's crazy? I've texted some of you. You don't respond for days. <laughs> You're like, well, not you, Pastor. We'll respond to someone else. He, he, I, what, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get you to understand is this. Things are a little bit out of order. Things are a little bit out of order, and it's important that we take evaluation of them. Let me ask you this. What is the appeal? What's the magnet? What draws people to it, to social media? Well, let me just read you some things that are scientific in nature. Do the effect that it has on the brain, social media is addictive both physically and psychologically. According to a new study by Harvard University, self-disclosure on social networking sites lights up the same part of the brain that also ignites when taking an addictive substance. Parents, let me ask you a question. If somebody was outside your house or outside your kid's school, giving them drugs that were addictive, would you try to stop them if you could? You might even break your knee doing it, right, Miss Anita? Sure. All right. But then we give the kids a phone. I'm not saying they can't have a phone. That's your business. But you have to be aware of what's in the phone. And you have to understand that those, those, those apps, some of them are very addicting. And they were created that way. They were created to be addicting, to fill a need, and to get you addicted to that need. And I go go back for another hit. Go go back for another hit. I don't want to revive memories for anyone that's been addicted to drugs or anything like that. But if you've ever been down that road, it's the next time. The next time, the next time, the next time. And you know what happens with the phone? The same exact thing. I, I'm going to feel important. I'm going to feel like I'm accepted. I'm going to feel like I'm, I'm, I'm beautiful. I'm going to feel like I'm strong. I'm going to feel like I matter. Social media platforms drive surges of dopamine to the brain to keep consumers coming back over and over again. The shares, likes, and comments on these platforms trigger the brain's reward center, resulting in a high similar to the one people feel when they're gambling or using drugs. Doesn't mean you can't have it, but boy, you better realize what you're dealing with. Question, the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning, do you grab this or do you grab this? I mean, right there, that's a question that, man, if you just examine that. I mean, there was a time, and I'm not trying to be funny about this, there was a time when we get up at an alarm clock. It was just an alarm clock. It wasn't a computer in her hands, right? And you get up and you stretch and do whatever and you grab your Bible, grab your coffee. But, but now it's, like, it's almost like you roll out of bed and like as you roll out of bed, you go, oh. And you turn it on as if to say like, I can't walk without this. You know why it's awkwardly quiet? Because you know what I'm saying is true. And it's become a problem to the point where your mind is shifting constantly all the time. Talked about this on Sunday. Because of what you're constantly scrolling through online. How, how, here's just a few different places. I'm not saying these are all, I'm not saying these are all, you just need to know what they are, all right? Uh, be real. You say, what is that? That's where you take a picture of you and take a picture of whatever is in front of you, all right? Is, did I explain that well? It's so exciting. It's amazing. Here's me. Here's everything around me. Oh, let's see someone else's. You ready for theirs? Here's me. Here's everything in front of me. Let's see someone else's. Am I, am I getting this right? 
But it's so cool, isn't it? I got to know what someone else is doing in Washington State. I got to know what someone in New York is eating for breakfast. No, you don't. Snapchat. Here's what I call Snapchat. The filter for people who don't want to show their real picture. All right. Now, if you don't know what Snapchat is, it's just a way to communicate. Some of these things are a blending of communication method along with the way you can post things. All right, Instagram, I think most people know what that is, pictures, whatever, uh, uh, primarily pictures, but then they introduce stories. You can put music and reels and all that kind of stuff. You go, I don't care to learn about all this stuff. Well, here's the thing. If you don't care to learn about it and you're 60 years old, I can tell you your kids and your grandkids are. And, and if you're here and you're young, you'll pastor, I already know what this is. Yeah, but I'm pretty well convinced if you're young, some of you may not always want your parents to know what everything is. And, and, and here, here's the bottom line. If... <laughs> Then there's Facebook. I know what you're thinking. That's for old people, right? Yeah. You know why? Because it's like, now don't get offended if you're older. All right, here's a question. How many of you have a real active Facebook account and are in high school? Raise your hand. All right. Active? Not really active, right? It's like, well, I kind of have it. I How many of you are 40 plus years old and are on Facebook regularly? Raise your hand. All right. We just told on ourselves. You see what happened? All right, so, so like th- th- it breaks down, but here's the point. There's something for everyone out there. That's the idea, all right? And it doesn't mean that it's all bad, but you better understand, and I keep saying this over and over, what it is, why does it appeal to you? And, and the reality is this, a lot of these things appeal to us based on the fact that it, it's kind of a, a self-gratifying thing, all right? I, I read this. This is from a young person. When you think about it, it gives us comfort and familiarity in an unfamiliar setting. When I go to a place and I don't know anybody, what do I automatically do? Pull out my phone. Why? Because instead of talking with people, I feel safe with this. Watch people. Watch what they do in society. Why is that? But let me ask you this. In spite of the good feelings, what about anxiety and eating disorders? And FOMO and envy and jealousy. And you girls will look at another girl and go, how come I don't have her shape? And you guys will look at those girls and go, I want that, even though that ain't yours. So yeah, it may make you feel good in the moment, but there's other, other, other things associated with it as well that you cannot ignore. Let me ask you this. How many minutes? Look at First Corinthians chapter 7 again. How many minutes are we spending on there? How much time? You say two and a half hours is the average for most people. It's a lot of time. Two and a half hours. And uh, now here's the thing. I know how this works. No one, no one, I doubt, I doubt anyone is in here has ever sat for, unless you were sick or something, ever sat for two and a half hours straight just, it's 30 seconds, 30 seconds, minute, two minutes. Maybe you get sick into a reel that leads you to another reel, leads you to another reel. And you're like, look at this cat singing. <laughs> and five minutes later, you're like, well, I just spent five minutes doing whatever, right? And, 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 and over time, it adds up. But the idea is this. Here, here's what. If, if the devil said, quit reading your Bible and showed up in a red pajama suit, you wouldn't do it. You would know better. But if he handed you a way to take your time away little by little, that would feel a little bit less uh, opposing of what you know is right, it might be easier to let that happen in your life. Does this make sense? And you'll say things like, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to memorize scripture. I don't have time. Have you ever walked into an elevator and the Lord's like, talk to that person like, man, this is awkward. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's easier to do? 
And you say, why? Oh, it's just 30 seconds. Well, yeah, but it adds up over time. Who here wants to learn the Word of God better? Anybody? Okay, well, then you have to guard your time. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Look, if you would, at verse number 29. Look at it one more time. This I say, brethren, the time is what? Short. Short. The Bible says, let your moderation be made known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. If you think it's not that big of a deal, try to talk to someone in the elevator. Put your phone away. I'm an introvert. It does not excuse you from trying to speak about the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. And oh, by the way, I'm just going to put this out there. Introvert, extrovert, if you're not careful in either extreme, here's what it boils down to. You think you're that important. That when you walk in a room, everyone either has to notice you or everyone has to not notice you. And I got news for you. It's not about you. It's about Jesus Christ. And, and, and so these are things that even we can teach our kids. Listen, when my kids are little, an adult talks to them, oh, they're shy. Get over it. Give them a, a handshake. Like, say hi to that person. Don't be a jerk. L- listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but when uh, Miss Cindy will attest this, when we first got the boys, there were some of those issues there. And, and because of trauma and things like that, you can say whatever you want. But at the bottom, at the end of the day, you know what we taught them? When an adult talks to you, you should not. I'm not saying to do it perfectly. I'm not saying to do it right. But we at least try to instill in them. Look them in the eye and respond to them. I'm not, listen, it's not right when the kid is five years old and they'll yell at you and stomp their feet and whatever else. You see, I thought we were talking about social media. We'll get right back to it. And, and they're doing everything else that isn't right and they can communicate just fine that when an adult talks to them, oh, they're shy. You're teaching them to be selfish. That's correct. And we're raising a generation that way. Where if I, I just have to take a mental health day. Why? You know, someone yelled at me in traffic. I'm not trying to pick on people or anything like that, but we're raising a very fragile generation that thinks everything is about them. So, so when it comes to this subject, understand that it's, it's about you being a Christian that gives of yourself and not just constantly thinks about yourself. So think about your time. God sees your time as a very precious commodity. If I were to tell you right now, Leonard, do you, got, do you, do you have $200 a month if you work full-time? Do the math. If you work full-time right now and you could get a really nice car for 200 bucks a month, would you do it? Okay, let me also tell you that that car is going to cost you $100,000 and you'll be paying on it for the next 30 years of your life. Would you still do it? No. (laughs) But do you know why I put it down in the bite-sized payments? Now, oh, I can do that. Oh, I I got 30 seconds. Oh, I got five minutes. Yeah, you do, but you don't. The Bible says, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. How many times have I said through this message, I didn't say it to go out and get rid of it, but boy, you better realize what you're dealing with. I know what will happen when I teach on this subject. Some folks will walk out and they'll say, see, Pastor, you said I can keep doing whatever I'm doing just like I'm doing it. Others will walk out and say, what a legalist. He said, you got to get rid of social media. In the same room, people walk out with different interpretations. What I'm trying to get across to you is this. You need to be mindful of where you're at in your life. And the time that God's given you, what are you doing with Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 16. Ephesians 5, verse number 16. Redeeming the time. You know what that means? Buying it back. Does anybody in here feel like, man, I I wasted a lot of my life for wrong living? And I want to make up for that lost time. 
Uh, listen, you can do that, but can I tell you one of the ways to throw your time away one minute at a time is to get so engrossed in an online world that isn't actually... Listen, I don't mean to be mean, but just because I don't copy and paste whatever you said would make me a good Christian and pass it on doesn't mean I'm going to hell, okay? If you really believe in Jesus, copy and paste. No, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going to do that because I'm kind of like, like, I don't know, I want, I want to spend more time like learning this than copying and pasting what someone else wrote, right? Here's some questions to ask. Are the methods that we're using online biblical? See, what do you mean by that? What are you looking at? What are you, what are you looking at? I, I've had the misfortune of, you know, you know, someone doesn't know you're in the room where you walk in. This has happened to the boss at work. You know, you walk in, and they were online, you know, doing something besides work. And you walk in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, hey, how you doing? You know, like, uh, are you okay? I didn't know anything. You know, after a while, they do that five times. I was, oh, they're just shopping online or whatever else. Uh, listen, you should be able to, whatever you're looking at, I'm going to talk for the guys for just a moment. Whatever you're looking at, you should be able to look at with your wife or your mom or your sister right next to you. And oh, by the way, gentlemen, let me, let me just be kind of pointed and yet try to soften the blow because we have mixed company. Whatever you're looking at, if it's inappropriate, that's someone else's mom or daughter or sister. You go, Peter, this is uncomfortable. It's meant to be uncomfortable. You should feel uncomfortable sometimes at church. Because there are things in our lives that society is normalizing. You know, it blows my mind. A woman going, I'm not an object. I'm not a piece of meat. And then expressing that by going on creating some account where she shows herself off. Like you're, you're literally doing the opposite of what you said you believe. You want people to respect you? Don't do that. <laughs> Gentlemen, you want to be a respectable man? Don't look at it. Now, we're going to talk about some, some of those things down the road, but let me just say, what are you viewing? What, what is the message that you're... Well, you're if you walk away from whatever it is you're looking at going, I need to be prettier, you got the wrong message. If, if you walk away going, I got to make more money, right? You, <laughs> you've got the wrong message. Because a lot of these young men are like, how can I make like, money on crypto? How can I make money so fast? You know what you ought to do? Go outside. Get some stinking dirt on your fingernails and work for minimum wage. And let some boss yell at you. It'll build your stinking character. It'll make you a man, essay. It'll do something for you. But, but we live in this age where I, I, this guy rolls out of like some kind of Lamborghini or whatever. I made 50 million on crypto. You want to listen, man, you're a sucker and you want to listen to that guy. I got news for you. No one is going to make 50 million on crypto from watching some guy talk on Instagram. I'm just being honest with you. So what's the message? What, what does what you're reading or viewing or listening to make you want to do? Here's a question. Who are you communicating with? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Like, oh man, are we almost done? Yeah, we are. Almost in the original Greek means five hours from now, but yeah. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. No, seriously, we're almost done tonight, but uh, I'm trying to get you to understand that if you're going to take the right approach, it means you can use this, but boy, there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. 
First Corinthians 15, look if you would at verse number 31. First Corinthians 15, verse number 31. I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. Talking about dying to self. If after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. If you haven't studied your Bible, don't know what this means. It may be a, a, a difficult passage, but bear with me. What advantageth it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. In other words, if there's no resurrection, man, <laughs> I'm sure not going to be preaching this book. I am sure not going to be like trying to follow what God's commands are in, this, in the word of God. I would be doing whatever I want to do. But you know, he says there is a resurrection, which points to the fact that if there's a resurrection, the rest of the Bible is also true, and there's going to be a judgment. And let us hear the conclusion of the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments, because he's going to bring us into account uh, to judgment someday. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, the very next verse. Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt what? So who are you connecting with? Oh, we're not real friends. We're just friends online. Evil communications corrupt good habits. Do you realize you don't have to do anything wrong but open your phone? And if you're connected with someone that's using filthy language all the time and someone is promoting the wrong kind of stuff and you're constantly scrolling, you're going, I didn't do it. I don't believe it, but there it is. And you're putting it in your mind and you're putting it in your heart. That's going to have an effect on you. Ladies, would it be okay to talk to a married man if he's not your husband in secret? Probably not, but you do it online, not think twice about it. And gentlemen, men do it as well. I like it when, when women go, no, those are what, that's what men do. Well, they're doing it with someone. And they're not all gay, okay? So, so this, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. Are we leaving room for the enemy to come in? Here's one. Are you arguing with strangers about things that are immaterial? Man, you know how many Christians get online and fight with people about politics? Can I ask you a question? What will that do for the cause of Jesus Christ? I can tell you where I align politically, but it doesn't change the fact that that's not the message I'm supposed to preach. Motive with God is everything. Why are you doing what you're doing in any phase of life, but especially when it comes to what you do with your time online? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll close it out tonight with this thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What are your motives with being online, not being online? I've had people go, I don't have any of those accounts. Okay, great. Mm. Okay. Um, thank you for gracing us with your presence. I, but, but let me ask you this. For those of you that do, why do you have it? I know you may think this is stupid. But when I was in Bible school, I'll never forget Brother Donovan saying, <laughs> some of you guys, that's <laughs> how he talks, kind of just like this. And he'd say, some of you guys, you know, you, you have bumper stickers all over your car. And you know why you have them? Christian buns, good ones with good messages. You know why you have it? Because you want to be noticed. He's like, and some of you guys, you're cowards and you won't put one on your car. And it's just like, man, it made me think, like, maybe it's not about just what you do, but why you do it. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll close with this thought. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Why are you doing what you're doing online? 1 Corinthians 10, look if you would at verse 31. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, 
do all to the what? So if you're going to be on there, give God glory. If you're not going to be on there, give God glory. Whatever you're doing, the motivation behind it should be, I want to give glory to my Savior. If what you're looking at and what you're listening to and what you're posting and what you're sharing and the people you're connected with, if all those things point to the glory of God, then praise the Lord. If they don't, can I encourage you to maybe maybe on your way home go, do I really need that account? Do I really need to have three accounts, two of which my parents know about, one of which they don't? Mm-mm. Oh, not sweet church kids. Oh, yes, they would. Mainly because you parents aren't knowing what's going on in their lives. And you gotta be you got to be mindful of it. So, Christian, let me just close with this thought. Do all to the glory of God. Let's all stand and be dismissed in a word of prayer.